Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver exceptional customer service. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Welcome back to Building Teams with Teams & Co. We are here for another great episode. We are continuing our conversation about coaching, but also all other things that are related to Teams & Co, growing your business, knowing your customers, uh, being a great leader. Uh, and for all those conversations today, we have Courtney Teasley, the CEO and founder of MFN. Hey, Court. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, for those of the of you who are uh, listening, uh, Courtney and I have been friends for a little while now, so this will be a super fun conversation, I can guarantee you. <laughs> Let them know, we're also Leo Virgo cusps, so we are. listen. Yeah. Total trouble. We, uh, we learned that we're very close in uh, birthdays, so um, Courtney is also my official uh, wing person at any event because she is an extrovert, and as a serial introvert, I just love being around her because she creates like a really great open scene, invites lots of people to come over. So me and my little introvert self, I just have to like stay in one spot and I get to talk to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm a natural introvert adopter. I literally read one of my, it's crazy because I've always been that way, but I read a personality test. Like at my, it was talking about my personality and I read it and it says, you're, uh, you're a natural introvert adopter. And I was like, I am. I really, so I have to start leaning into it. <laughs> You're like, I do do that. I do, I do do that. I love it. I love it because y'all, you know, introverts are really the most interesting people. They love to talk, by the way. They just like to talk to certain people. And so once you grab them, they will not shut up. Once <laughs> you will not shut up, they'll talk your head off. I love it. Yeah, I always say like, I love doing things, but I love doing them with like four people at a time, not like 40. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I love that. More yeah. intimate. Yeah, exactly. Just it makes me feel like it suits my energy really well if I can, you know, know all the people yep. at the table. So, you know. It makes it, it seems more meaningful. You know what I mean? Like it actually right. made, it was impactful. Whatever you did, it was meaningful and it wasn't just you being around a whole lot of random people or you didn't enjoy it. Yeah, no, that's, that's 100% how I... <laughs> How I, I view it. social interaction. I'm like, can it be my five closest friends all the time? All the time. No, not all the time. No, that's fine. Uh, awesome. Well, enough about me being an introvert. I would love to have the listeners learn more about all the amazing work you do because you are, man, Courtney, when I just think about all the, the great things you're doing in the world, I, uh, I always say this to Courtney. I'm like, A, I think she's superwoman, but B, I feel like I'm not doing enough great things because she is out there. She's a lawyer. She was a professor. She's written a book. She's now the founder and CEO of MFN. She's a coach. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and like what you're out there doing, Court. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so, so excited to be here, Tracy. First of all, Tracy's one of my favorite people. And I'm so excited to be on this show with you and just to be able to kind of just chat in a different capacity, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like we always get to talk, but we've been through so much. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a short time. <laughs> now it's like, all right, let's back it up. So I am Courtney Teasley again. Thank you for the introduction. And I uh, did, I was a lawyer for 10 years. And so I'm still a lawyer, but I practiced law for 10 years before I came to uh, the sad thought process that I can't do this anymore. 
right? Like this can't be my life for the rest of my life, right? Mm-hmm. I'm really one of those people who like to, um, I'm a goal. I like to set goals and I like to get to the top of wherever chain I am. Um, so whatever I choose to do, I want to be the best at it. And so as a lawyer, you know, I did all of that good stuff. Like I really went hard. I really threw myself into it for 10 years, but I, you know, did not have ambitions to work uh, for the state in any capacity. So I don't want to be a judge. I don't want to do any of that. You know how lawyers kind of naturally go into politics. But for me, I like to be, I like to be the one putting people there. Right. And so when I ran a campaign in 2022 for one of my first ever um, clients, it was like a coaching client, but I wasn't coaching, coaching at that time, (laughs) I wasn't offering coaching, but I was coaching nonetheless. So I showed her how to practice law and open her own law practice. And then um, I ran her campaign for judge, she's an introvert, which is how I learned so much about introverts, by the way. (laughs) I I had to learn how to work with her really good. And we won that campaign, but like against all odds, nobody thought we would win it. Everybody thought, you know, we were out of our league. They kept telling us we're too young. It's not your turn yet. You know what I mean? Just wait. You know what I mean? But I had been in front of that judge so much. And I knew how harmful he was, um, especially to people from marginalized communities, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I just said enough. And, and women. Oh, he was very, very horrible to women. And so it came to a point where I was just like, look, if we lose, we lose. But I'm going to put all I can into it to try to get your butt out of office. And I did. And he got out of office. And so when I found out that we made Nashville history by doing that, because no ju- no criminal court judge had ever been unseated. I never realized that Wow! while we were doing it. So I was kind of like, I'm kind of happy. I didn't know that, right? Because I didn't know. (laughs) I'm happy I didn't know, but that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Where I was able to, because I was also her treasurer. So I was able to see the money um, that came in. I was able to, and I knew exactly what we did with this money, right? And I was like, oh my God, if we had more of it, this could be so much more easier, right? Right, right. Um, and so I was thankful that as a sole practitioner, like owning my own law firm, I had the ability to take off uh, about two to three months and run this campaign. But yeah. I wanted to do make more change, right? I wanted to do more. So I was like, hey, I think my number one goal now, but done all this activist work, like you said, I've been a professor, I've been a mock trial coach, I've been a part of all the social justice organizations. I've disrupted cities. I've done all of these different things. And I said, no, I think the smartest thing for me to do to make the greatest impact is start focusing on building wealth and showing others Mm -hmm. how to do the same because we can disrupt a whole lot more systems when we have more money. I love that. And I know that I I want to dive into that topic, but I want to just pick something out for the listeners before that, which is you are hearing somebody who literally could do anything. Like she could put her mind, but I've, I've like, whatever you put your mind to, I've seen you be successful in. And I think it's a powerful message because for a lot of us, we get lost in trying to do a lot of things or do something because we think we should do it. Or like somebody else has told us. And, and here you are setting a really great example for people to say, Hey, you know what? I learned something. I learned what I want to do. I could do 10 things. Mm Mm-hmm but I'm putting my full self behind this thing because I think it's going to make the best difference. And I just, I love that. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Tracy, because that's the hardest part. I mean, you know that, you know, dealing with yeah. business coach, how hard it is trying to narrow down what it is you want to do or what should you focus on. And I just think that I'm one of those 
I like to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. I do not like, I truly do. I was reading that book. Great CEOs are lazy. I believe it because yeah. I do not want to keep doing like, yeah, I could keep running campaigns. Yes, I could keep doing it, but that's also working hard. What do I right. work that damn hard? I gave it three months of my life. I didn't sleep any of the time. <laughs> I don't want to do that kind of work. I want to go chill and be able to make a greater impact. Like, Hey, what do you need for this campaign? Oh, I have it. Plus this, right. plus that. So yeah, I pre I appreciate that. That's a, that, that is a very, very, very good compliment. I, and I, and I receive it. I think it's also like a really good thing for people in the business world to think about, right? Even if you're not the CEO of your business, I, I see it so often with teams and people working together. They try to do everything oh. and they do nothing well, right? You're like, and Jesus. Yeah. Like, what the, okay. That pisses me off. That, that That's one thing like, okay. So I read, uh, what, what book was this? If it's one of these darn books. It might've been an email. It could be rich, one of those, one of the books, but the book said, and the guy was saying that the four hour work week is what it was. He, okay. the, uh, the, the CEO, this millionaire, right? He's making all this money and the darn printer goes out and he goes down there and he's trying to fix this printer. He's still, he's down there like multiple hours. Finally, he can't figure it out. He calls a little guy across the street, who, you know, maybe, I don't know. He's just a, a runner. He's a runner or something. And he, char he comes and fix it in an hour. He charges maybe less than a hundred dollars. So the guy's asking him like, well, why did you spend that much time on it? Right. That's like, he was like, well, I could do it. Yeah. I thought I could save some money. Okay, well, let's break down. How much do you make it out, right? What's your effectively hourly hourly rate? And then he broke it down. He knew it and how much. And he was like, okay, so you spent $100,000 trying to fix just a freaking printer when you could have just spent a hundred to begin with. Right. That is my pet peeve. Like, I do not like to waste time on stuff that I'm not good at. Right. <laughs> no, it's so true. And we all waste so much time doing stuff we're not good at. And I think, Why? you know- yeah, it's just like one of those big things because you're like, because I can see it. Like it starts off at that, like, oh, I could fix this. And then like 10 hours later, you're like, no, now I'm going to definitely fix this. <laughs> like I got to do it because I spent all of this time. I'm not going to lose all that time. Now you add yeah. more. You, and I think it's an ego thing with our sales, right? It's something. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, when I took a, when I went to business school, my favorite term I ever learned was sunk costs. Ooh. Like the idea of like, once you've, once you've spent the money, don't try to like fix it. Like just yes. like like write it off and be like, okay, that's a sunk cost. Yes. I'm moving on. <laughs> I love that. What, what we tend to like spend the most money on is trying to like figure out how we could take that bad decision and make it better. But really what we should be like doing is like, okay, I learned from that. Yep. That was an expensive learning, but now I'm going to move over here. <laughs> right. Go do something productive. Don't do that again. <laughs> right. Exactly. So tell me a little bit more about this coaching and helping uh, your clients build wealth. And, and how, how are you thinking about coaching and, and what are you focusing on? Oh, okay. So let me give you just a little bit of background before I go to the coaching. Um, yeah. So last year with, M you know, last year was the first year that we, uh, we uh, when we launched MFN and I um, wrote a book called um, The Easy Way to Learn Your Rights. So it's Disrupt the Criminal Justice System of Oppression, The Easy Way to Learn Your Rights. It is a simplified, it simplifies the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. And it's a book yeah. series where we'll simplify each uh, amendment and just give you the things that uh, people, I believe, who are from the damn community, disproportionately affected, marginalized minority uh, yeah. community, they 
don't get not they're not taught these things right and i'm from the damn community i wasn't taught these things in school criminal justice literacy financial literacy and civics and these yeah. are the three things that we believe lead to mass incarceration so that's the heart of mf and so our mission is to disrupt systems of oppression right and mass incarceration yeah. is near and dear to us so we created that book and we have trainings for uh, nonprofits to help them be more proactive and effective in their fight uh, uh, in the criminal justice realm versus being reactive. So all of 2023 was like showing our activism. Does that, right. you know, that make So we were showing our So we disrupted a city uh, here close to Nashville. Um that took some uh, took a family's kids. They were a black family and they took their kids over a small amount of marijuana. So we ended up launching an initiative to disrupt that. And we ended up getting their children back in 56 days. Um, we also kind of laid the foundation for uh, the politics. So we did some consulting during the mayor elections and also during the council elections this okay. past year. And so we hosted like entertainment events around that. So uh, events that are educational and also give uh, a entertaining, trying to bring out a new crowd of people to actually be interested in this. So yep. we did a lot of our showing our activism last year. And this year is about fueling our activism. So now we're showing you how we fuel our activism and we fuel it through business coaching. And oh, so cool. with business coaching, I coach, uh, what I call the overqualified woman. And the overqualified women are women in marginalized communities who are literally, usually the millennial, uh, the Gen Xer, the one who was taught that dream, you know, yeah. hey, go to work, go to college, go do this, go do that. You, and then you'll retire and live a good life. And then <laughs> we're starting to realize, oh, that's not happening. That's not happening. So I uh, I coached the overqualified women into building businesses that yeah. actually create the lives they want to live while also disrupting the world's most harmful systems. And so I give an example of one of my clients. Uh, her uh, She has a juicing business, uh, but she was a certified juice therapist, you know, and so yeah. she was juicing this whole time. She's making decent money, but it really wasn't her passion, right? It wasn't like right. she that was in her purpose. And so she started coaching with me. And we talked about it and found out really what she wants to do is she wants to be able to assist people and coach with them and create a plan for them, a cleanse for them. And then she can provide those juices for them to be able to heal themselves. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And it's so dope. But I got, I started using them and then she actually started, um, but her mission, right? Her mission is to disrupt the food deserts. And oh, cool. so she's from Memphis. Yeah, And so what we were able to do is find a way for her to go and she went and she uh, went to one of those uh, community gardens and she set up shop and she was able to engage with the people and do what she does best. Yeah. And so now she's like kicking ass and taking names, right? Like she's out here doing what she actually loves, making a heck of a lot of money doing it and know she no longer feels stuck, but she's also disrupting for the community while making right. money. So that's the key for uh, the overqualified woman. A lot of times we separate our activism. We think it yeah. has to be, oh, I go volunteer all my time over here and then my business does this. Oh no, your business should do both. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like social entrepreneurship is such a driving force for change, right? Like people vote with their money every day. Come on and, now. You know, 
obviously you're supposed to vote. You're like, I hope everybody's voting in general. Voting is important, but you yeah. vote with your dollars, right? Like you vote with the companies that share your values. And that's such an impactful way to make a change is by, you know, making sure that we're, we're supporting not just the nonprofits, but how do we think of business solutions to all these challenges in our society? So I love that. I wrote that down because you just said a word, Tracy. Let people vote with their dollars. Do you hear me? I love that's a, that. Yeah. That's a tweetable. tweetable. <laughs> if I was uh, better at social media, I'd be over here tweeting at the same time. But, you know. You're killing it. You're um, killing it. Also, for those of you, um, I know we went through it pretty quickly, but Courtney's book is amazing. And I would say this to all of like, I mean, when I read the book, I don't have children, but the first thing I thought of was it's such a great resource for parents to have conversations with their kids. Exactly. Because I I liked the little, like, I liked the worksheets. I liked the, like, bringing things down to a level. You know, I think when we think about a lot of these conversations and again, I don't have kids, so I don't have to have a lot of these very serious conversations in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it could, I'm sure like as a parent, you're worried, like, am I making this too scary? I want to make it sound serious enough because I want them to take me seriously, but I don't want to like instill fear. And I just, I really, I thought your book like hit the nail. Like you just threaded a needle that I, you know, trying to, you know, channel parenting as a non-parent. I was like, wow, she's doing a really good job of making this a conversation between a parent and a child and helping them understand like what their rights are and how to have those conversations. So. I love that. You you know what? So uh, thank you for that, Tracy, because I actually on my TikTok, people always ask, like, okay, where did the book come from? Well, it literally came from two minutes rights conversations that I had with my own children. So I was literally driving them to school one day. And Mm. I was I told, you know, I was writing all this stuff. You know, I'm in the heart of creating my business, MFN, and I'm writing all these different things down and I'm creating my frameworks and stuff. And I'm like, let me see if I can teach them. Right. Right. Let me let me me practice on them. And so I get them in the car and I'm just like start I'm recording myself talking to them and I just talk to them and I teach them about the fourth amendment off the top of my head. And then I teach them about the fifth amendment off the top of my head. And then I went back and listened to it and said, Oh dang, that's a book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're right. Like none of us are really I mean, we're taught what the amendments are, but I mean anybody who's ever watched any late night TV show when they do that like quiz on the street knows that like as adults, most of us, you know, there's a lot of times when, you know, people don't know like, you know, current events or amendments or being able to name them and and we definitely didn't get the like, how does it apply to you? Right. It was like here, just answer the question and then move on. But I just thought it was like a really, a really great way to bring it into real life and give some real world examples and I love that. And I actually created and I'll uh, send that to you so we can put it in the show notes for your audience or your audience parents. I created a free email course. Oh, great. Yeah, they could just sign up for the free email course and it's over five days and what it will do each day will teach you something else to help you speak with your children. And it's actually videos. So it'll send you an email and it'll be a short clip for you to watch and just learn. And like you said, it's just about opening. You don't have to be a parent because I didn't make this just for parents. I made this for caregivers as well. So like you have nieces, cousins, friends, whoever, um, black Americans are five times more incarcerated than the 60% white majority. Yet we only make up 14% of the entire U S and every minority is disproportionately affected. However, don't forget, we also have 
poor white people as well, right? Who are also in this system who don't have the funds or anything. And so, and these are people who went to public school and who also weren't taught their rights and are being taken advantage of. So you have to realize that there's so much of a need here because we're not being taught this information. And as these different states and governors are getting more and more strict on what parents, I mean, what children can learn in school and deciding for them, we as parents have to step up and say, hey, I have to prepare my child for the real world. I know what these statistics say. And it's okay to say, you know, you didn't get you didn't get that in education either, right? right. I know I didn't. Yeah. And so it's okay for that. And so that's why I created this course because I don't want people to feel ashamed of what they never were taught. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think like, you know, like we always hear it. I mean, we always hear the the saying, you know, knowledge is power, but I yep. think really being able to like also just have a a discourse with each other, which I think is really lacking these days. It's if we're not all like, you know, privy to the same information, it's hard to have a discussion that can help move the conversation forward. Right. And so, yeah, I just, I just love it for that reason too, which is we all just need more access to resources to say like, Hey, we're not trying to like pick a political party here. We're just trying to make sure we all understand the system, right? Like let's let's understand the system. Let's understand what it is. And then we can have some conversations and we can make things better. And I think that that holds true for anything we're doing in life, which is, Hey, if you, if you have the information, you can make better decisions, better choices, and, you know, kind of move the conversation forward. So I agree with you. And I think that you brought up that, that to me is very, like you said, understand the system. Right. And I was literally, that's it. That is the only thing how we cannot play a game if we don't understand the rules to the game. Right. Right. So if we don't know what the game is. Right. The game, and that's the biggest thing. So I was teaching mock trial to high school students. I start there. What are the rules of this game? And so then once you understand how all of that works, then you can make more informed decisions. You know, so. No, I think it's true for everything. Right. Like we talk about that a lot with teams and leaders. Right. Like, hey, your your job as a leader is to set the guardrails yep. and make sure your whole team knows what the guardrails are. So like. Hey, everybody, we're going to operate within this set of rules, but everybody knows them. And then if you have a suggestion on how to make them better, how to change them, how to improve them, great, let's have that discussion. But at least we all kind of know what the parameters are to start with. And if we know that, then we know like, okay, people can move a little bit, you know, smoother throughout the thing. Like, right. If I say to you, like, Hey, Courtney, these are the 97,000 rules that you need to know. Yeah. You're probably going to be like stuck. But if I say, Hey, Courtney, I generally want you to like, think about these principles and let's have a good dialogue about them. Then, then we're working together. We're ideating and we're getting a better solution. So, and then the suggestions on how to change them, that's civics. Yeah. Right. That's the civics portion of it. Now you're a citizen. And if you want to make change, you'll run for office. You'll uh, uh, go uh, lobby. You'll go create, you'll go organize with people and teach them about what the laws are. You'll go and uh, have conversations with your councilman. You'll know to do these things, but it starts with ever knowing the rules to the game. And that's the issue. We're never taught that. Yeah. No, I love that. Oh, we could talk about this forever. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about the, the, like, I I just love social entrepreneurship and I love, I love your kind of take on, Hey, you know, cause I I think it's something that we don't think about a lot, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially as women, we hear a lot of like, Oh, I don't, I I feel guilty if I get rich or like, there's a lot of money issues, right? Yes, yes, yes. But like, we don't think about, well, well, what could we do and how could that money help us affect change, right? Like we're not saying, hey, get rich and build yourself a bunch of mansions. 
but like okay you can build yourself a mansion that's that's cool like like you know celebrate your win right (laughs) (laughs) it empowers you to do things that are great right like if you think about all the companies out there like tom shoes and bomba socks and like all these companies the the juice company that you just mentioned raw authentic that have Mm -hmm. that have a mission to change something and make something better they're making money they're doing good and then also with the money they make they can invest even more in the stuff they want to see Change, right? Yeah. So, like, think about it. Like, oh, so I always give Ben and Jerry's as my example yeah. of yeah. of uh, you, Ben and Jerry's is going to the message mass incarceration. It, this this many people are in jail. This is going on. This is horrible. These this is stuff we need to be disrupting. Um, environmental uh environmental uh ha- hazards. We need to be taking care of the environment. Blah blah blah. They have right. all these messages that they're pushing to, and it's like, oh yeah, we got some ice cream too, right? <laughs> we got ice cream over here too. If you want some, it's good. And so it's, it's really like, ice cream. right? It is good ice cream. Yeah. And now you know, and but they also show it, like you said, vote with your dollars. Like I know that they collab with um, Pinky Cole over at Slutty Vegan. Uh, she yeah. was at ROI uh, the uh, last year, but you, they show it through that. Th- that's their activism. Right. Yeah. Their business is their activism. And I think that, you know, you're asking about money. And I think that's why people keep it separate. Right. Why they feel like they have to keep their activism separate from their money because it's the status quo. Right. Yeah. Think about it. The nine to five. Go work. Go work. Don't talk about politics. Don't worry about none of that stuff. You just need to. You, and I'm not telling you to go talk about a party, <laughs> but right. don't talk about things that actually matter, right? Because yeah. that may make someone feel a certain way. And so you choose to do your activism after hours. Um, you volunteer all your time away. You got to think about the cultural thought process of it. Uh, if you're highly religious, you're taught a lot of times money is evil or money is the root of all evil or whatever it is. It's a negative connotation with money. Um and so it makes it hard for people who come from what I call the damn community um, to actually feel comfortable in making money because a yeah. lot of it makes us feel like we shouldn't be making money. Um, however, the it, that took a lot of mindset for me as well. But I think it was easier for me because I'm a lawyer and I my job literally was helping people right but i get paid good money because i mean that's how much it costs you know it's a, i went to school a long time i had to go train and go learn all this junk and so that's people just are kind of in their minds they're warped to already think they have to pay a lot for a lawyer so i guess it's like okay that's all right when you right. come into more artistic uh, jobs or if you come into consulting or other things that people just, I don't know, you know, people just, I have had, I have struggled with this, Tracy. And I, and I, and I take a pause here because the thought process is really one that has just been forced upon uh, people. It's from the status yeah. quo. You know, you see, and I and I and I get it because I kind of get it. You know, like I watch all the. I'm obsessed with the Netflix shows and the ones about like the pain pills and the big corporations, big pharma, and you know they did bad things. You have all of these shows, and you'll see big corporations taking from the little person, doing bad things, and I get that. Right. 
But that's not the business, not the only businesses, right? Those are the right. big 1% up there making all that money, doing yeah. all of that. Uh, uh, outside of that, you have smaller businesses and there are people who actually do the right things with their money. And I think it comes to not trusting yourself, first of all, right? You don't trust right. that you'll do the right thing with money. You think that because you think that people who have money are inherently evil or inherently wrong in some type of way, or they have to sell their souls to get it because those are the only people you see with money, maybe celebrities, maybe people doing bad things, but you don't see the, the next door neighbor millionaire. And so- right. For me, the conference that we were at is good for that. I love to see the regular everyday Joe Blow millionaire, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love them because I I can I don't I don't want I don't Nathan Berry of Convert right. Nathan Berry got like three thousand, four thousand followers, if that. <laughs> you know, multimillionaire doing very well. And it's like I prefer to be that type of person and have right. my impact felt all over the world versus what people think a millionaire has to be this famous person in the spotlight, whoop de woo doing this. And so I just think that we have to change our mindsets around what having, what money means to us. Right. And stop lying to ourselves. Stop lying saying, Oh, I don't care about money. I don't do this. Well, you go work 50 fucking hours. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me go back. Well, you go work 50 hours. Out of every week, you yeah. clearly care about money. You see yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah, so you care about the things it can give you, right? Like, exactly. I mean, that's I mean, that's the system we live in. Is that the you know, there's things that we need money for. And I just I love the phrase. You can feel my like feel the impact, right? Like, I think that yeah. that's a a really you know, I I was having a few conversations with folks around marketing because while I'm not in marketing directly anymore, we often talk about it and and it's that feeling, right? Like, marketing is all. Can you make somebody feel excited about the thing, right? So you can describe something in one way, but it's that, we always call it an insight. It's that thing that, um, the the commercial I just used as an example was, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen, it's like a Subaru commercial Mm -hmm. and they, you know, the, the mother is running towards her spouse and her child and saying the... The moment I loved my Subaru the most was the moment they were walking away from it. And then they pan out and it's like a car crash and the, her family has survived the car crash. Yeah. And oh, and she's I obviously picking them up in another Subaru. But wow. it just is like, the, it's that feeling of like the relief. You can feel the mother's relief of like the safety. So then when they start talking about safety, people are like, oh, I want that. Like, I want that Thank level you. of safety. Right. So I think it's the same when you say feel the impact. I just mm-hmm. love that, which is it just it changes the conversation around like how much money can I get to how much impact can I create? Yes. And I just love it. I I can like, I can feel you creating the impact. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, and I, and I love that you just said that because to me, that's an insight. So it's a little coaching nugget you gave me. I wrote down right here. (laughs) Feel the impact. It makes me, um, hone in on that. Right. And so in really trying to articulate that it, it's so hard, it's hard, yeah. it, it, you know, and it takes time to weave through all the things that we've been taught. And then when we go to, and it, here's another layer, when I am dealing with, you know, not just with women, right. Let's deal with uh, a, a marginalized woman, right. A minority woman. And then we have to right. deal with all of that cultural stuff that's going on inside of there. All of those things that are going on that are in your mind, telling you this, telling you that, and before we ever get to 
the point. Let, let, let's break down what you think about money. All right. Now, right. let's talk about the positive things we can do about with, with money, right? And let's, let's talk about why do you hate money? So wh why do you feel this way? Why have you been made to feel this way? Maybe you mismanaged it before. Maybe you don't trust yourself with it because you never got financial literacy. That's usually what it is. It's always that they don't feel like, you know, people don't feel like they have enough information with what to do with money and right. think that they'll naturally just go do bad things with it, right? Or turn into some bad person because that's the image that society paints versus seeing now, look at what this person, Rothentic, is doing. Look what Rothentic was able to do when, when they have an right. impact they're able to make. Not only is she able to disrupt this harmful system, but by her very offer, Right. She is speaking with and healing and helping people who have actual yeah. sicknesses. And instead of them having to load up on medicine, they're able to learn about ginger, turmeric and, and the benefits of mixing these different uh, uh, juices and drinking them over time to assist them versus just going with what the status quo says. Right. So it, it, yeah. it's really a disruptive mindset to begin with, to even look at money in a more positive, um, in a more positive light. It's, it's, it's just, you're being a disruptor when you just even change your mindset around money. <laughs> yeah. And it's awesome. I mean, I think that's like the new, the new way we can all affect change, right? When we think about Ooh. these large scale, you know, challenges in our society, yep. I mean, it's, you know, healthcare, climate change, like all the things that you're talking about with like criminal justice, there's, there's really, fundamental solutions we can create with business, right? Like business doesn't always have to be bad. And I think you're right. We you hear go. a lot of those stories. When I was coming up in my career, I, I, uh, I really wanted to, when I graduated college, I wanted to work for a nonprofit. Cause I was like, I, I want to do good in the world. And then I really, then I realized mm -hmm. like I, I worked for, you know, different companies over my career and they were all mission driven. And I was like, Oh, I can actually have a really great impact working for companies that are trying to do good, right? Because they're they're making decisions about packaging. They're making decisions about what goes into the product. They're well, making decisions about how they invest philanthropically. Mm -hmm. And all these things just change the way that we all experience the world. And they can be, they can be good and they can be great. And uh, I, just, I love that you're working with that kind of entrepreneur because it, it helps us all just change the dynamic a lot in like those little yeah. ways. So it, it doesn't have to be like, these big, massive, like, we have to change the entire thing. It's like, well, you you don't have to, like, you know, become, like, super fitness person over the night, but you can just start drinking juice. Like, that's, like, one right. step. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good first step, right? I, right? I was listening to a podcast today with Tim Ferriss. Um, I forget who he was interviewing, but they were basically talking about um, – you know, it'd be like the equivalent of like watching the Super Bowl and being like, I want to get into shape and I'm only going to do it if I can be as in shape as a professional football player. Like, and what? a lot of times in, as business people, we do this. It's like, well, if I can't make my business perfect and I can't yeah. make it like the, the upper, 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 I shouldn't even try. When, when if we just changed our thought process to say like, okay, how do I make like a small change yeah. in the world? Yes. Yes. Like, where do I start? What's the first step versus like, I have to solve this entire problem by myself. <laughs> no, I, you, and it's okay. That's hilarious. So I actually, I'm going to send it to you. I posted something on Instagram a little bit ago and it was uh, this guy looking at all these steps and they were all so high. And yeah. the first step just seemed like so much. And instead, he went, he got his little tools and he 
shifted down to the smaller step and made it small. So oh, he could cool. take that step. And so I look at the exact same thing you're saying about that, how they're like, oh, I want my business to be like this. And we think about coaching, right? We're dealing, right. always dealing with clients like that who are like, oh, I don't want to do it unless it's perfect. I don't want, but it's like, look, I, what did right? Uh, I think she said something. You can't execute on what's not there. Right. <laughs> you haven't even started. You know what I mean? You yeah. Gotta, you can't make better. You can't make perfect if it's not even there yet, right? So it's like you got to start 100%. first. And so that impact, a lot of people are like, well, I'm not helping that many, or I'm not doing this, or I'm not doing that. Well, you got to start it, right? Exactly, so like yeah. last year when we were showing our activism, we were only able to help that one family uh, get their children back. But from that, we were able to make these trainings that I, I this, it's, it's called the damn advocate training. So the disproportionately uh-huh. affected marginalized minority advocate training. And so I was able to create that training from what I did with organizing all the lawyers and hiring all the experts and then training the community to come and help get these children back. Right. Instead of one right. person trying to do it or one organization, no, we're coming as a, a band of people saying, Hey, this is not right. And, you know, we're making a lot of noise with it. And so when I created the training, I actually broke it down into a place where I was able to help people, uh, organizations. And so nonprofits are, I'm training one nonprofit, two nonprofits coming up in February on this. And so what I would train them on is like, you know, the, the amendments first, we'll start with the amendments, then I'll train them on criminal defense organizing, right? If something happens of that nature, then I train them on what a uh, method that I created called the proactive case prep method, which, uh, and that's where I show them ex- how to be proactive, right? Mm. When somebody has a criminal case instead of and proactive, just meaning something that you can do prior to someone taking a guilty plea or being right. found guilty, right? Um, all of the criminal justice reform, the, the majority of the efforts are reactive after someone's already been found guilty or pled guilty. But right. that makes absolutely no sense, <laughs> right? 97% of people take pleas and it takes mm. a long time for them to take pleas. So it can be years that they're fighting this case. What could you be doing? Right. Right. How can you assist instead of getting a lot of money from criminal justice reform uh, grants and then just paying a lot of lawyers or paying a lot of people just to be on payroll? That's the nonprofit industrial complex. Take the money and actually assist people. So when you say that you had that, how blessed are you? That before you went and started working in the nonprofit realm because you wanted to help, you were able to find mission-driven businesses and say, hmm, I think I can do a lot more helping on this side versus over there where my hands are going to be tied. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, there's like, obviously there's a lot of great nonprofits out there, right? But I think, I think I love what you're saying about the proactiveness, right? Like there's a... There's the proactive and reactive, and both we have to work on. But I think we do often forget being proactive. And I think we forget it in our businesses. We forget it in our personal lives. Like we just, like, I just read Atomic Habits, the book. I don't know if you've read it. Um, I have not actually heard about it. Was it good? It was really good. And the thing I liked the most about it was a lot of what we're talking about, which is like, don't try to like solve the whole thing, right? The thing that I took away from it was like this thing he called two minute habits. And it was like, rather than saying you're going to go to the gym every day, just say you're going to put your gym shoes on every day. Because once you put your gym shoes on, you're probably getting in your car and you're going to the gym or like, 
you know, if you have an exercise bike or a treadmill at home, don't say you're going to run for an hour. Just say you're going to get on it. That's it. And, and do something for two minutes and then get off. And like sooner or later, you're going to start to be like, oh, I could stay on for five minutes and I could stay on for six yeah. minutes. That is absolutely true. And yeah. I found it out like when I'm creating habits for myself and when yeah. I have to trick myself, I had to do that with my fellow time. Finally, mm-hmm. I literally just said, you know what? I had to cut off because I would, I'm, I'm competitive. Right. And so if I am, I hate that. But I am too. That's why I laugh. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's why we get along. <laughs> yeah, we do. And it's like, but I don't want to be competitive right now. Right. Because I'm on this thing and I'm going to hate it. And I'm doing this. So I'm looking at what everybody else. I'm like, Oh, am I going fast enough? So finally I just said, you know what? I had stayed away from it long enough. And I was like, I got this Peloton. I'm going to get on it. And I went and I love, so I love traveling. And so out of the country, I love seeing the different places. I'll sit, when I'm working, I love to turn on YouTube and set an ambiance. Like it can be the ocean, it can be rain. It it, can, right. it just depends on how I'm feeling. So I got on there and I said, hmm, I looked at the scenic routes. Oh. And they have all these different countries you can go and um somebody's actually biking through it, but it looks like you're biking through it. And they have it like for 10 minutes, they got one for 15 minutes. And I said, Okay, nice. when I have court or if I have to be somewhere, what I'm gonna do is get up and 10 minutes before, 15 minutes before I got to take a shower, I'm going to run in there and go ahead and do it. And I kept, and I started doing it. Like I was, I'm just going to hop on and I'm just going to do five, 10 minutes. And then yeah. I started looking forward to it. Yeah. And, okay. So I totally agree with you. You do got to trick yourself sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you got to trick yourself. And then like, and then it becomes a cue. Like, like we don't realize how powerful our brains are around like, yes. Hey, if I do this, then I should do this. And so I just, I thought it was a nice way to like reframe it and take some of the pressure right. off. And um, yeah, I just, I, lo- I love the conversation. So I love that. I love So that. when you're sort of, when you're working with folks, you know, and you've got all these coaching clients who are doing these great things, like how do you start with them? Like, where do you, where do you start your coaching with them? It's so funny. Cause I love that you say that. And that's also going to be in my, uh, the night, the, the offer, my intro offer for coaching is I have found that there are three sessions needed right in the intro and my first session is always 90 minutes now because it used to be just 60 but it takes time to really help that overqualified woman open up and dream Mm -hmm. so each book uh, you read all the different books whether you're reading um rich dad poor dad whether you're reading the email and right now whether what am i reading um the 12 week year Mm. And so whatever, and I love, I'm loving it because I have no execution skills. So it's really helping me get my life together. <laughs> oh, all right, I'm going to read that. <laughs> so, but um, whatever book you're reading, you have to have your aim, right? Mm. You got to have your primary aim. What is your ultimate goal? What is going to motivate you, right? What is really going to make you do it? And so I don't think people realize how harmful these ho-hum goals are or these yeah. mediocre goals that they make for themselves. Like, Oh, I want to make, you know, or I just want to, I just need 500 extra dollars or I just want to get this, you know, and it's a small amount. Right. They never execute on it because it's, they know they can do it. Right. They know they can do something to get that. They just don't feel like doing it. Right. Yeah. And so from that, if they feel that like what I'll do is I found that during that first session where I'm trying to get them to dream, they literally will 
fight me back a little bit. Oh, like okay. they'll fight back. They'll, and it's subtle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, okay, when I have to, then I'll have to go into, okay, well, let's dream. Let's dream is three to five years off in the future. Yeah. And just close your eyes and, you know, think about, and I'll use downtown Nashville. Like we have a really nice Skirmahorn, uh, nice symphony uh, center, big, beautiful places. And imagine you're down there and you're walking in and it's just decorated immaculately and everyone, red carpet, your whole, everybody, you know, is there, friends, family, they're all dressed up to the nines. You walk in killing it, right? I'm talking about you're dressed up and you're going to walk in. As soon as you get into there, uh, everybody's looking at you and they're clapping and you get up on stage and you know, what have you done? <laughs> what did right. you do that they are clapping about, right? And so it gets their brains thinking about like they're like, "Ooh, okay, I see that." And I'm like, "All right. Well, if you could have it your way, or I'll start using terms that they use. Like if you could have it your way or if it's 3 to 5 years in the future cuz for some reason they never see themselves in the now, right? right? They never see themselves at that moment ever doing those things. And so when we finally get them to dreaming, that's my first session with them. And it takes the longest. And so we'll go through their entire vision, all of the upgrades that they love to give themselves that would uh, give them more time, power, peace, energy, all those different things that actually give them a primary aim to fall back on when it gets hard to actually look forward. So that's my first session. And then I do the strength section session so my strengths and skills session with them is going i love uh, the clifton strengths test i'll have them do that analyze it go through what their top strengths are and the reason i do that is because that was like the most impactful thing for me as an entrepreneur and it really informed my my offer and it helped me figure out oh okay this is what I need to be focusing on. This right. is where my efforts go. This is how I can uh, make money because this is what I actually am good at doing. I love doing it and it doesn't feel like work. Right, so right. we do that strength and skills assessment in that second one. And then that third one is when we build your offer. And we'll actually build an offer that they feel is um, within their zone of genius. And we'll uh, set up the way that they want to disrupt a harmful system. So actually laying out what that foundation is. What do you care about disrupting? And then what is the first step that we can make to doing that? Such as when she went to the community garden and was able to speak there. I love that because you're really taking people through a journey, right? Like if you're starting Mm -hmm. off with what's your vision, part of that's going to be like, how do you want to change the world? Where's your philanthropy going? You know, you're talking about your strengths and like the things that you love. And again, it's going to come up. And so by the time you get to the offer part, it's like, oh, we've already had all the needed conversations. Now we're just putting the pieces together for you. But that's how I work as a person. Like I literally work that way in everything I do. Sometimes (laughs) I'm I'm cross-examining someone and it's crazy because some judges hate it. But I would not me, want to be cross-examined by you. I know. A lot of people say I know. And I don't think nobody nobody wants that. <laughs> and it's I feel like I would lose that battle. You're like very, very good questioner. I'm so not. I know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not who, like, you know how y'all know me? Like, yeah. I'm not this, I'm a little bit more, you know, very, because I'm dealing with people's lives. But 
I, I'll cross-examine people and I don't let you know where I'm going. I won't yeah. let the person I'm questioning because it's not for, I'm not giving you a roadmap. Just answer right. the questions, right? And then I'll tell the story, like from your answers, I'll paint the picture of what that means. Because when you let people know where you're going, they want to try and go ahead and jump there. They want right. to try to go ahead and give you the answer that you they think they should so they don't look bad versus just answering honestly like they should be anyway. <laughs> right. So, and that's the same thing in business coaching right yeah. like when i'm talking to them like i have to i have to trick them to give me what their million dollar vision is or what do they care about disrupting what do they yeah. uh, actually want to do with their lives because it's like they're trying to not dream too big right so they don't end up disappointing themselves and it's like mm-hmm. yeah and, and, and you're limiting yourself so when i when i get into that little portion right there I'll start asking them different questions and they don't know where I'm going with it. Then I'll, and I'm like, yeah, you said ABCDFG already <laughs> you this on that day. And I'm like, what? Oh, I did say that. I, I, did. I took good notes. <laughs> no, and that's why you need a coach and you need a good coach like you. Right. Because I think there's a lot of coaches out there that like, are like, I'm going to ask these five questions and they're going to give me these five answers. And Whoa. it's all like the same plan. Right. Yeah, but what I yeah. hear you saying is, no, I'm really trying to help them work around their own mental kind of blocks. Oh, yes. And get to the thing that they really want to do. And I, I think we do hide that. Like, we don't, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and is like, I'm going to purposely do the things I don't want to do today. But I think we've convinced ourselves of like, yep. there's a path and we need to be on the path. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But so, we have. But yeah. we have. But yeah. we have convinced ourselves that, and then like even times when I'm sitting here by my, if, when I'm working, I have to figure out stuff. Like I'm trying to like figure out my day and I'm like, oh, am I not doing this enough? Oh, I'm not doing enough. You know what I mean? Like, why am I resting? And it's like, what, what, what? wait a minute, yeah. calm down. <laughs> it's true. Right? No, it's true. Yeah. It's, and having that, like having that like overall roadmap helps you. It helps you make those decisions, right? Like I think, you know, I can yeah. see your clients being able to say like, oh, okay, here's what I want to do and here's what I want to change. And I also can give myself leeway in these other spots. And it helps yeah, you figure yeah. out what you're not doing. So your day yeah. actually becomes much more open because if you stop doing all the other stuff and you're just focusing on what you love, then, you know, it becomes an easier day. It really does. I did a, a retreat and I, I just, um, I did a retreat in December for some the girls I was I was coaching um, during my certification, yeah. and I hosted a retreat for them. And actually, I had learned so much about. It. I felt like that was so kismet. It was fate. It was very mm-hmm. uh, aligned with. I knew so much about them. It's lit, that's my strength. My strength is literally I turn thoughts into action, right. uh, and I can strategically see patterns. And so I would learn about them through coaching. And then I studied their Clifton Strengths test. And then I had them come to a retreat and we were there for about, oh Lord, 10 to 5, uh, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. all day, had brunch, real fun, mimosas, enjoyed ourselves. But I broke down each of them, right? So it was a very customized experience for each of them because I would go straight through this is your skills, right? And then I had them all up there showing them what their different strengths were. And then I was able to go straight into, okay, this is what you've already said you want to do. Now, this is how your strength helps you do that, right? that's awesome, yeah. Here's this offer. Have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about doing that? And each of them at the end gave me feedback and they were like, oh no, like I didn't expect you to specifically know about me, right? Right. And they were all, all except one was an introvert. 
all I said one was introvert. And so, and I'm talking to them and they're like, I love that. I yeah. love the fact that you were able to, and it was about seven of them at the time. And so, and I think that might be capacity for me to do all of them and remember, <laughs> but they love how they were able to get that one-on-one and right. then, then be able to uh, uh, learn about themselves. Um, we talked about imposter syndrome, battling that stuff, that courage, over all that good stuff to combat what's going to come. And then to, for them to learn how to grow and offer and get to the next level. They ate that up. They loved it uh, so much. So I'm thinking about trying to do it virtually. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, if if people aren't signing up for your coaching after that description, I don't know what will make them. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mess, Tracy. You are a mess. No, but I'm serious. I mean, I think like we all get coaches and, and we've all been a part of those programs or those yeah. things where you're like, oh, I'm just another participant. And I think we've also been part of what you're talking about, which is, hey, somebody came to the table and really wanted to figure out me, not just yeah. how I fit into this. And so I love yeah. that. Yes, that's exactly what it was. So super excited. I'm super excited. This has been, I'm, I'm ready to really, really fuel this disruption and let's get on in here and make some good change. Well, keep us posted on everything. We want to definitely hear how folks can sign up for the daily emails from MFing. And we also want to hear, we'll share the link to Courtney's book in our show notes and lots of other things that we've mentioned today, all the other books. So if you all want to you know, be on our informal book club. <laughs> you, could be, you could be reading what we read, but we should make one because we have a good list of books and people will change. Those books will change your life. Yeah, I think, we, I think we definitely are missing an opportunity there. So, um, but Courtney, how do people find you? How do they find your coaching? How do they sign up? What's that look like? Yes. All right. So you guys go to at the Courtney Teasley and you'll see my link. And if, you, if you're wanting to sign up for coaching, just book an overqualified woman's coffee chat. Again, it's called the, oh, you can sign up for the overqualified woman's newsletter. And uh, in the coffee chat, we'll just kind of talk, learn about each other and make sure we're a good fit. Because I believe a good offer compels as well as repels. I'm not the coach for everybody, right? And so you might want to come make sure I am the correct coach for you and we'll make a plan and then we'll get you started on, I have an intro offer for all new uh, coaching clients uh, now that MFN is offering coaching. So um, it is a offer and it's a 1986 offer. Yes, it is a special and we'll only be doing a few of these, but in that 1986 offer, you're going to get, uh, and it's bi-weekly. So, and it's, so it's six weeks. And you'll do bi-weekly calls. And then in the in-between, you'll actually have some assignments to knock out. So that way you can actually maximize this time frame. Imagine what you can do in six weeks, like literally with just a little bit of focus and actually kind of assessing where you are, right? Assessing where you are in this moment and figuring out how to get you to the next level, making that income that you want to make, but ensuring that impact is felt. I love that. So you guys should all be, go to Courtney's uh, link and we'll put that in the show notes as well so you can find it. Um, and yeah, spend the next six weeks trying to figure out your vision for your life and how you can, you know, make your impact felt. So that's a that's a goal for 2024 if I've ever heard one. Ah, yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. Listen, I'm doing the same thing. You heard of what? Good. I don't just coach. I have a coach. <laughs> I get coached, right, Tracy? That's yeah. right. That's right. We have coaches. That's how you have to do it. So. Yes. 
Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in for another week here at Building Teams with Teams & Co. Uh, I'm sure you've enjoyed this conversation with Courtney because I enjoy every conversation I have with Courtney. And yeah. uh, follow her uh, on socials and then we'll put all the links in and we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye.